0: Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Witcher chapter by chapter book review where I'll go through a summary of the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'm discussing chapter 6 from Baptism of Fire. It's pretty wild. Chapter 6. One more chapter to go after this and then we're going to move on to Tower of Swallows. It's moving so fast. Way too fast. I got a little bit of anxiety when I saw that the other day. I was like, no, that doesn't give us that much, that much of the series to work with here. But then I remember that uh, Tower of Swallows and Lady of the Lake have more chapters in them than the uh, and then all the rest of the books, so we're not going to breeze through those as quickly as, we, as we've been breezing through these ones. But yeah, it feels like it was just like a week ago that I recorded the first episode for Baptism of Fire, and somehow we're about to wrap it up. I don't get it. I just don't get how time moves so fast. <laughs> okay, so. As usual, I'll give you the recap of last episode, go through the summary of this chapter, and then talk about it. So, for the recap Rageus, who we learn is a vampire, saves Geralt and Dandelion from the Temerian camp where they were to be executed. Cahir shows back up and rescues Milva from peasants who tried to steal their horses. Geralt comes around on having Cahir and a vampire included in the group, and they decide to take off in the direction of druids, who can help them discover Ciri's location, as Geralt now knows Ciri definitely is not in Amir's clutches. All right, this is what happened in Chapter 6. Francesca Findebear is finishing up with a meeting with Vatir de Rudeau, while her friend and candidate for the Lodge, Ida Amin, an elven sage, secretly watches while blocked by a magic invisibility shield. That then turns into Yennefer. Finally. Finally, we get some answers on Yennefer. That took way too long. <laughs> so, during the Fan and coup, Francesca packed her up, as they called it, into a small figurine where she was basically in a state of unconsciousness for the month and a half since the coup. Francesca decided to unpack her to bring her to the upcoming lodge meeting as her second candidate. While Yen is recovering from the painful process of artifact compression, Francesca and Ida discuss all of the recent events with her and explain she's invited to the lodge because they want her help in filling the 12th seat with Siri. Just like I said. Well, I mean, I know that I know what happens, but I i, I was going off of context clues. <laughs> I wasn't going off of what I've already learned from reading the series before. Okay. At the Lodge meeting, Philip explains that she wants Siri to marry the Prince of Kovir and become the Queen of the North so that the Lodge may have a large influence on the state of the world. Yen discloses her history with Siri, and Francesca gives a detailed account on how the Elder Blood was passed down to her from Lara Dorn over a century ago. During a break from the formal meeting discussions, Jennifer, with the help of Fringilla Vigo, the Nilfgaardian mage that we recently met, she manages to teleport out of Monte Calvo Castle, despite the blockades, and try to rescue Ciri. Meanwhile, Diekstra and his subordinates discover one of Vilgefort's abandoned hideouts where he was performing vivisection on pregnant women, among other atrocities that ended in their deaths also siri doesn't seem to be enjoying her relationship with missile anymore who appears to just be getting under her skin but she does continue to enjoy murdering people while her and the rats rob a convoy transporting a baron's daughter yikes okay let's talk about i what i think is the best part (laughs) the best thing to come out of this chapter is that yen is back Finally. This is the first time that we've seen her since chapter four of Time of Contempt. So that's a seven-chapter book, we're in chapter six of the following book. Like, That's a long time to go without having any updates on a character, a very important character. So this is a big deal, and I was very excited that we can finally start talking about her again. I'm sure you will recall that there were a lot of episodes where in my closing thoughts I was saying, whoops, still no updates on Yen. <laughs> it was just going on for too long. So this is good. This is good stuff. So what happens here is when Francesca unpacks her, Yen is suffering very badly. So this thing they call artifact compression. We didn't know anything about this before, as you definitely are aware of at this point. Magic in the Witcher world is very ambiguous or is left very ambiguous to the reader. They don't tell us that much. And then occasionally they'll drop something like this on us where it's like, oh, okay, didn't even know that was a the thing they could do, but now I guess I know. So you just learn little bits here and there, but even uh, by the time that the series comes to an end, I'm sure there's plenty that we still don't really even know about. Or um, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things they can do, a lot of things they maybe can't do that's common in other fantasy series where magic is a thing. But yeah, this is a thing that, they can do artifact compression and it causes a lot of pain and it can often lead to damaged organs and loss of memory, probably other mental problems too. I wouldn't be surprised. So she did this to save Yen's life because while on Thaned in Garstein Palace, Ryans, if you remember him, it's been kind of a while since he's been important. He was such an important uh, villain that was around so much for a while and he's not really talked about as as often as he used to be. But he was in there and he was targeting Yennefer and apparently Vilgefortz was offering to expedite capturing her for Reince to torture and slowly painfully kill. So honestly it's a good thing, like thankfully Francesca stepped in because as we've seen Vilgefortz, who was offering to help, is an incredibly talented mage, terrible person, but very talented. He can do more than I think probably any mage can do. Tasia was very impressive, but she's dead now. So if Francesca hadn't done that, I think Vilgefortz would have been successful in getting Yennefer for Ryans, And she probably would have had to be submitted to the torture and slow, cruel death. So, I mean, I don't know how exactly we're meant to feel about Francesca at this point because she was working with Nilfgaard behind the scenes and... Basically, she was kind of seen as a bad person for a little bit, but I, I, we at least can be thankful for this one thing that she did, even though it caused Yennefer for a lot of pain. But I think she's going to be fine. I think it's something that you just got to recover from and then you get back to normal. And I'm sure magic can help with that too. So, because Yen was missing for so long since Thana, every th- everybody thought that she was in cahoots with Nilfgaard. So they thought, okay, she must have fled to. Nilfgaard and that's why we haven't heard anything about her and the thing was with Francesca if anybody asked her if Yen was with her in Dolblathana, because Francesca was working with Nilfgaard it wouldn't be that far out for her to be in Dolblathana if Yennefer was also working with Nilfgaard um, they could or Francesca could have just honestly said nope Yennefer's not here because it wasn't Yennefer it was technically a little statuette but yeah, I, I think, I mean, I don't know if people were actually asking. I think that it was kind of implied that they were asking about that, but either way, that's why she was able to do that and then not really be like a traitor to Nilfgaard or to whomever might be asking her about it, like if somebody from the Lodge. But anyway, before they go to this Lodge meeting, Francesca catches Jennifer up on everything, including the lodge and what it is, because obviously Yennefer isn't going to know anything about that since it hadn't been established until after Thanedd so between now and the events on Thanedd And she catches her up on how they're interested in Siri and how Yen joining is important to them because of how close she and Siri are and they want Siri to be that 12th member. Yen is obviously going to be reluctant to join, but Francesca tells her she'll be helping Siri more effectively by joining so let's talk about the lodge meeting we are there for a while in this chapter so they show up everybody is completely shocked to see Yennefer with Francesca and Ida Uh, some make no attempt to hide their contempt for Yennefer because they thought that she was working with Nilfgaard but they're also actually really interested in Ida because none of them have met her before and she's one of these elven sages and they're very rare to come by. They don't interact with humans that often. So she's kind of like seeing a unicorn. So that was a big deal to them in addition to seeing Yennefer. But Philip is very determined for everybody to be loyal to the lodge. Anything that took place outside of the lodge, anything political, anything that might cause anybody in this group to have animosity towards one another, uh, she wants that to be left out. She doesn't want them to bring personal feelings into this. So they accept Yen for being there. I mean, if they were willing to accept Francesca being there, then they should be willing to accept Yen being there. So when the meeting convenes, Philippa talks about how it's important for them to influence the course of events in the world, and then proposes they do so by granting a sorceress power over all of the Northern Kingdoms. And at first, this doesn't seem like it would be an easy feat, but her plan is to marry Ciri to the Prince of Kovir, because Kovir is supposedly, this is something that we have heard nothing about until this point, but I mean, I guess it's true. Kovir is supposedly evolving into the Kingdom of the North, which is going to be all of the Northern Kingdoms combined into one empire, similar to Nilfgaard. This is all moot anyway, because Siri. well, first of all, they don't have her. They don't have access to her. But she also can no longer perform magic, as we know. They don't know that, of course. I was wondering, though, and this kind of is related to what I was saying about all the things magic related in this world that we don't know about. I was wondering if maybe there's a way that they could return her powers to her. I don't know, but they're currently not even aware that she doesn't have the power. So that's not something that we're going to discuss in this chapter. She's supposed to have these other abilities um, that come from her having this elder blood. So I know that that's the main reason that they're interested in her, not just because she was uh, practicing magic with Jennifer. But either way, I know that they want this person to be uh, a sorceress in the same way that they are. And I think with Siri, it's She's got the sorceress side, well, that they believe. And then also this thing that comes with the elder blood. So after Siri is brought up, Yen is asked to recount her history with Siri and go through everything since the day they met. Or I think it actually goes back to uh, when Geralt evoked the law of surprise in Cintra all those years ago, like 15 years ago, which, yeah, I think that's what they said. And I remember thinking, okay, because Siri's about 15 years old now or about to turn 15, I think she was ten when we met her. So she's grown up so fast. (laughs) So this actually um Yen's recounting her history ends with her explaining that on Thaned, Tessiah asked her to bring Siri to prophesize for everyone since she thought that it would shock everybody there and it would pour oil on troubled waters. I think that it was pretty nice to get this explanation because, I mean, it's not a thorough explanation, but we never did find out until this chapter why exactly Tessiah wanted Yennefer to have Siri prophesize in front of everyone. During that chapter, somebody, it might have been Sabrina, doesn't really matter though, said like, oh, why did you bring this girl here? And Tessiah says, because I told her to. That was it. It was the only explanation we got. But why did Desai tell her to? So now we get a little bit more of an understanding as to what happened there, which I thought was nice because some things aren't really fleshed out that much. And then we kind of just have to interpret it how we want it, which is always, you know, it's good to be able to do that. But also you would, you do want explanations on some things. And something that I've noticed Bukowski does is doesn't provide an explanation for some things ever. Or if he does and he, if he's not doing it in that same chapter, he'll do it way later like this. So I thought that that was nice to learn. I thought it was worth mentioning. Well, next, Francesca explains to everyone series lineage and how she ended up with the elder blood. I am not going to go through the details of this because it's extremely confusing. Even the characters in the chapter are getting confused. Like the members of the Lodge that are listening, like they can't even really follow it. So I did read this chapter handful times, like I always do to prepare for these podcast episodes, but I also went back and was like rereading these paragraphs where it was being explained many times. And I was able to follow it a little bit, but it's still, it's just a, it's a very complicated family tree. And what you really need to know, like the main takeaway from this is that Siri's ancestor, this Elven Sage, Lara Doran is the known place of the elder blood's origin and siri ended up with it which means she's supposed to have outstanding abilities and she's destined for remarkable things and we know that she's got these additional abilities on top of the magic that she was learning with yennefer because we've seen like little things here and there um when we first met her when uh Geralt came across her in Brockelond like she was able to have a good sense of direction without actually knowing she just could sense things and we also saw what her mother Pavetta was capable of So anyway it seems like we now know why Amir was so determined to get Siri because he it seems like at least we we don't have a first person perspective on Amir in this chapter but he knows about the prophecy and he wants the Elder Blood introduced into his lineage, probably. I think it seems pretty feasible since Tanyao, Stefan was inquiring about the Elder Blood with Ida. And I think that the kingdoms that would come with marrying Ciri, which is what it always seemed like it was, like he wouldn't, like he's basically rolling over Syndra right now, but it would be like official. It would be more official if he married Ciri. And I think he gets a few other kingdoms by marrying her, or I mean, he's not actually he's not actually betrothed to the real Siri at the moment, but that's neither here nor there right now. So I think that getting the kingdoms and the lands that would come with marrying her was just a bonus. So I don't think the main reason he wanted Siri was just for those kingdoms. And it did seem like... It seemed as if that was... Like, he was putting in way too much of an effort to find Siri just to get more... Um, or to bring more kingdoms under his empire because a lot of the uh, countries that he has annexed since he has taken over in Elfgard, he waged war on them and then acquired them that way. So it just didn't seem like it made a lot of sense that he was going so far out of his way to marry Siri just to get additional kingdoms. I think that's just a bonus, and I think that it was the elder blood that he was mainly interested in. But on the note of Amir, Asire proves her loyalty to the Lodge By revealing, Amir has an imposter, revealing that this theory that he has is not real. Philippa, who we actually found out in the last chapter, was informed of this revelation, confirms it, and also proves to Philippa that Assyria is going to be loyal to the lodge because she knew that Assyria knew. And that way, or Assyria revealing this is her basically saying, like, yeah, I'm going to be loyal to the lodge. Philippa sees that and is appreciative of it. So now Yennefer, who just the day before, the day of, um, found out that Siri was in Amir's clutches. Now she knows that Siri's not actually in a Darn Rowan, the location that this imposter is in. So she gets this information about Siri being in Nilfgaard, and then she quickly finds out, nope, she's not uh, She's not actually there. Like, we don't know where she is, but she's not there. I think Yennefer probably thinks that Villagafords has her, especially since nobody's heard anything about him since then. Ed. So it's kind of not good since she's, probably gonna hunt down Vilgefortz and she may very well may have the means to do that I don't think it would be easy but I think she would probably be able to do that and I mean she's not going to be going in the right direction if she's looking for Vilgefortz because as we know Ciri is not with him thank god and we'll talk about that in a little bit so they briefly discuss the possibility of Ciri escaping Thanedd through the portal and Lara, which Another thing we know they don't know (laughs) is what happened, but they dismiss this because it should not have been possible. And it's kind of too bad that they don't consider it long enough because maybe if they investigate, they could have the means to discover the general area where she ended up and probably track her from there. I don't know if they could even figure out where she ended up if they did investigate, but I was thinking maybe there are some means with magic that they could figure that out. And I don't know that we really want these women. It's not entirely explained, uh, how well-intentioned they are, but I don't know if we would want them to be able to find Siri because they've got these grand plans for her, and I don't know that that's in Siri's best interest, but, I mean, at least for, as far as they're concerned, that probably would have been a good place to start, but they... Don't seem to even think about it for more than a second. It's the idea is brought up and they're like, nope, that couldn't have happened. So. Well, Philippa lets everybody know that Dijkstra has found a couple of Vilgeforts' hideouts. So they're off to a start there, but he still has not found Vilgefort's. So the chapter then transitions to Dijkstra at one of the hideouts, finding some gruesome sights. So there was a body of a young woman who had a fetus cut out of her while she was still alive. There were other bodies of pregnant women. There was a well filled with the bones of young women. There were also these chairs that had clasps on them that were meant to hold legs wide apart. So this guy, this disgusting piece of garbage, was experimenting on pregnant women. We don't know to what end. It's just really messed up, it's really disturbing. One of these chairs, though, was unused. They discovered that it hadn't been used at all, and it was kind of new. And Dijkstra says that it was meant for someone suspected of special abilities. I don't think we need to scratch our heads too much to figure out that it was Siri. It was obviously Siri. Vilgefortz wanted her. Thank goodness he didn't get her on Thaned, considering the things that he was doing to these other women. But, yeah, this guy is... Oh, he's so messed up. I don't even know how to describe my feelings for him <laughs> because he is a horrible, horrible, disgusting person. I yeah. hate, hate it I hate him so much, but <laughs> that's as much as I can even think to say because he's just such a bad, like just a sick, sick person. Anyway, <laughs> Dijkstra's subordinate suggests they could identify these women with the help of mages because uh, there were people who are looking for these members of their family and they could at least put their minds at ease, letting them know that their daughters or wives, sisters, whatever, are dead. But Dijkstra actually dismisses this because he's starting to trust the mages less after what he saw here. Which is interesting, because he tells Philippa everything. And I don't think he's going to be doing that anymore, and I think that's going to change the way that things work out for the Lodge. I think Philippa, being the one running the Lodge, running the show there is getting so much information from Dijkstra. She probably doesn't really have a lot of people under her that are delivering her information. Maybe she does. But I think a lot of the information that she gets comes from him. And if he's not going to be telling her things anymore, then they might be getting a lot of disinformation. They might be getting um, just limited information on things that would be good for them to know. I mean, I'm not saying I want them to know. I don't know how to exactly to feel about them just yet. It doesn't really... It doesn't seem like you should feel... Um, like, you want to side with the Lodge. It it does seem kind of sketchy. Like, they talk about uh, laws for a second, and someone's like, I think it was Philippa who says, uh, like, what laws do you mean? Laws that govern men? Or, like, like, that doesn't apply to us. Like, that kind of talk is sketchy. So I don't know exactly how to feel about them. So I'm not defending them when I say, like, oh, that's too bad that they're not going to be getting information anymore. I'm just saying, like, as far as they're concerned, (laughs) that's not good for them. But, oh, well. I'm not going to linger on that because I don't really sympathize, but we'll have to wait and see how more things with the lodge plays out because it's still a very new thing. But yeah, I I don't have a, I don't have a good feeling about it as of right now, at least. So anyway, uh, Tanya, I want to talk about what goes on with him in this chapter because there is some important stuff there. At first, Ida talks about how Tauniel actually visited her and the Elves of the Blue Mountains to ask about the Elder Blood as related to Ithlene's prophecy, as well as Lara and the portal that used to be connected to Torzirel. So that's another reason why we can think that Emir is interested in the Elder Blood when somebody that works directly under him is asking about that stuff. Um, also, he later meets with this bounty hunter called Leo Bonhart, requesting his services to kill Siri. And we do know, he says Falca, but he, we do know that um, from back in Chapter 7 of Time of Contempt, that Al discovered Siri was with the rats. So he knows who he's going after here. I think it's a little bit strange that he wants her killed. I don't think that that's what Amir wants. I don't think that's what Amir would have ordered him to do, was to have her killed. He might have his own agenda. I'm not sure, but yeah, he hires this guy Leo Bonehart, and he agrees to try and kill Siri or Falca as he knows her. And he confirms he confirms he can take her head to collect the bounty on her, in addition to the rest of the rats. So he knows where the rats are. He knows where they're heading. So that's just not good. And it's also not good that um, Tawny Al said that. Leo Bonhart is known for his reliability. He calls him a craftsman and a genuine professional. Plus, this guy just sounded really confident that he could get this done within 20 days. It just sounds like there is a good possibility he might be able to go after the rats, find them, and kill them. And I don't really care that much about the rest of the rats, but I care about Siri. (laughs) So that's not good. there's seven of them though hopefully they can all take him down if he does manage to catch up with them. We'll see. but the, just the confidence in the way that he spoke, uh, the reputation that he has that somebody like Tawny Al is aware of, it doesn't sound good. But anyway, speaking of Siri, uh, she doesn't seem to be in a missile that much anymore so she's been in this relationship with this young woman we haven't seen too much about how the relationship has been going, but it doesn't seem like it's going well anymore. Uh, there's this point where Missile is playfully tickling Siri with a blade of grass, and Siri snaps at her. And Missile even asks her why she doesn't just leave if she's so unhappy with her. And she says it's because she doesn't want to be alone. And I get that, because if Siri were to leave Missile, leave the rats, who would she go to? She doesn't know where Gerald and Yennefer are. She doesn't really have anybody else. And she's so far away from the lands that she's familiar with i don't think she would know how to get back i mean maybe she could but i don't think it would be easy it would probably take a long time too but anyway missile mentioned siri hasn't told her anything about her past and i thought that that was pretty interesting considering that she's been with the rats this whole time and now we know that she hasn't disclosed anything personal about herself Uh, i'm wondering if it's because she doesn't want them to know about her royal background or if because she's trying to forget about her past life from before she met them. I think it could be that because there's this point in the chapter where she sees a unicorn coat of arms when they're robbing the carriage, and she thinks about how she saw a unicorn like that once, but the memory doesn't really come across to her clearly, even though that wasn't that long ago. Like, it was sometime within the past month and a half. I mean, if as long as this is taking place simultaneously with, like, Jennifer in the lodge... But, I mean, I guess we don't know for sure that it is, but I believe it's supposed to be all happening at the same time. But either way, it shouldn't be a vague memory like that. But I think because she's been trying so hard to let go of her past life, and she also seems disappointed that Geralt and Yennefer haven't found her yet. So I'm thinking that maybe she resents them for it and she's trying to forget about them too because of the resentment that she feels. I don't think it's reasonable for her to feel resentment towards Geralt and Yennefer for not finding her because Geralt is trying very hard to do so. Yennefer was <laughs> completely unable to do that for a, a, a month and a half after Than Ed. So Siri, she's young though. Like she's what I just said, she was um, at least 15 or almost 15. So that's a young age. I can see that you're going to be filled with this, like, self-pity, like, thinking that these people that were supposed to love you and care about you don't love you and care about you anymore. It's not true, but she doesn't see that. I don't think that she's going to look at it from the perspective of somebody who is, you know, older and wiser and understands that things are more complicated in life, you know, more experienced. So I think that it it's not that I mean, it's unreasonable, but it's it's not really that, um, it's not that far-fetched for her to think that way, considering that she's, she's young. So I, I think that maybe, yeah, she's just trying to let go of who she used to be, let go of everything she knew before she was with them, uh, because she also seems to be enjoying, m- not missile, but enjoying part of this new life that she has. She still has this sadistic edge that we discovered in the previous chapter. So Missel points out to her that she enjoys killing more than anything else. And there is a time in this chapter where she kills one of the men that's part of the convoy that they're robbing, and she stands there watching him die, and she's just fascinated by seeing him fighting to stay alive. Uh, I hope Geralt gets there fast. Or Yennefer. (laughs) I was going to say, Geralt is on his way, but I don't think he's going to get there anytime soon. It's just been a very slow and difficult process for him, but now that Jennifer is back, hopefully she can figure it out because Siri is really on a dark path and it would be nice if somebody can bring her away from that before it's too late, before it's just completely ingrained in her. But yeah, hopefully Jennifer can get there. She manages to escape uh, Monte Calvo, escape the lodge. Uh, even though there was a blockade because of Fringilla. We don't know Fringilla very well. We only just met her, but she seems pretty cool um, considering that she did this. This is something that we're really going to be happy about because we don't want Yennefer stuck with lodge, stuck with Francesca. I don't know what the plan was supposed to be after the lodge meeting concluded, but I don't think they were going to allow her to roam about freely on her own. So... When they're at the meeting, Yen recognized Fringilla at first from the battle on Sodden Hill. Fringilla was obviously on the opposing side because it was against Nilfgaard and she's a Nilfgaardian mage. So they have negative feelings toward one another from this. They watched each other murder their friends. Uh, But yeah, Fringilla helps her escape anyway. So she could tell that Yen was plotting an escape, but Yen didn't know how she could go through with it. So Fringilla, in this coy manner, explains how she could do it using what she called an improvised retractor. And she says that while she's spilling seawater out of this oyster that she's holding. So after Yennefer teleported, Asire, the other Nilfgaardian mage, asks Fringilla where Yen is heading. And Fringilla tells her she doesn't know which coast the oysters came from. So I think she used the seawater from the oyster to teleport her to wherever that was originally located, to where that came from. So Yen probably ended up on a beach somewhere, but we currently have no clue where. But I'm thinking that once she's out of Monte Calvo, she could probably teleport anywhere she wants. So I don't know where her first destination will go. I am curious to see. Um, I don't. Or I'm curious to see where she plans to take off to first. But. Uh, yeah, there's really no way right now for her to know where Siri or Geralt are. Because Geralt is on the road. Uh, he's not really coming across a lot of people, I think, that would be reporting to anyone important that Yennefer would know um, on his location. And Siri, of course, same kind of thing. She's with the rats. She's going by a different name. So I don't think it's going to be easy for uh, Yennefer to get to either of them. Now, I can see her maybe trying to find Geralt. Uh, like maybe look for Siri or try to do what she can to figure that out. And maybe also look for Geralt because Geralt will probably be looking for um Siri. But although I am remembering now that she probably thinks Geralt's in Brocolon Forest. And Triss was able to teleport into Brocolon. I don't know if Yennefer can do that too. I would assume so. But maybe she can go to Broccolon and find out that Geralt's not there anymore and he took off to find Siri. I don't know how she could track him from there, but yeah, she's the mage. She might have the means to do that. She might not. We don't know. (laughs) So in my closing thoughts here, uh, got a couple of things. This is the first chapter in a while that we didn't get any updates on Geralt. I didn't really have a problem with that though, because it's been every chapter, (laughs) the first five chapters of this book, we've been following him around and I love Geralt. I love the company that he's got, but I'm I mean, it was just nice to mix things up a little bit. And it was also huge to finally get this update on Yennefer. And also, a uh, last thing that I have written down here is, now we have to worry about Siri with this Leo Bonehart guy. It just never ends, does it? There's always something that we need to worry about with her. There's always some danger right around the corner. There's always something that is trying to harm her or something that is making it so that her life is not going to be easy. And now we got a new thing. (laughs) So uh, we'll have to find out in either the next chapter or the next book uh, what goes on with that. Hopefully they kick his ass. I don't know. Yeah, he sounds scary. All right. (laughs) That's all I have for you. So just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining and I will catch you all in the next episode.